Hey, we're in a series called The Giver, and just a real quick, uh, for someone keeps asking me this, no, I did not know there was a movie coming out called The Giver, and no, I've never read the book, okay? And those that have, it said, Pastor, it has nothing to do with your series. And I'm like, you're right with that, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about what God, the Spirit, does in dreaming God's dreams through us. In other words, what, what God does is, as he created us, he created each one of you today with an amazing purpose in life. He created every one of us with this redemptive purpose that somehow, through our lives, God would, would not only reveal himself, we'd come to know him through his son, Jesus Christ, but he would shape us to where, through us, others can come to know the one who gave his life for us. And to do that, we have to be open. We have to be open to the things that God dreams in us. We have to be open to the things that God shares in our lives. And we have to be willing for God to work in us. Because let me tell you something. There are people that you are going to influence that no one else can influence for Jesus Christ. There, there are people that are, that are made and shaped like you that you can speak into that nobody else can. One of my favorite uh, phrases from Frank Canada or my, my buddy, he always says, God wants to use the uniqueness of you to reveal the uniqueness of him. And that's what this series is about, finding our uniqueness and letting God work in us. And today what we're going to talk about, this is like the wrap-up, of we're going to talk about how to overcome what I call dream killers, how to overcome things that get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. How many, how many know a dream killer? Let me see your hands, and I hope they're not sitting next to you this morning. But we're not talking about people though it can be people, but we're talking about attitudes and we're talking about ways of thinking that lead us from, away from the life that God speaks into us into this mentality that says it can never happen. Here's the thing. Remember this. God, God is the author of life. Do you, do you agree with that this morning? God is the author of life. He is the giver of life. And there is, there is nothing we can declare dead as long as God is able to breathe life into it. And there's no dream that he's ever put in your heart that is dead as long as you are still breathing because God is able to do what we cannot. Check it out, John 11, uh, it's, it's on the screen this morning. Uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Later in Revelation, Run 18, he says, I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Can I tell you, he holds the keys this morning to anything, anything that you think that is dead in your life. So this morning, let's pray, and let's open our hearts up and let God speak to us. Father, God, I'm so thankful that, Lord, you work through ordinary people, God, to do amazing, extraordinary things, God. I'm so thankful there's not one of us this morning, God, that you created just to breathe oxygen and take up space, oh God. But, Lord, you created us uniquely. God, you put gifts into us. You put aspirations and dreams in our lives. According to Psalm 139, God, you laid out our days before we even experienced a one of them, God. And, Father, we just want to be people, God, that grasp who you are, and God, understand that, Lord, you want to work in us and you want to work through us so that others may know you as their Savior and Lord. So, Father, open our ears to hear this morning. Help us to have hearts to respond. And God, let us receive, God, so that we may give. God, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. How, how many dreamers are in here today? Wow. Maybe we need to start over again. How many dreamers are in here today? Uh, you know, that, that ought to be like every one of us. You know, uh, some of you are like, I don't, I don't know. I, I just dream of like cheeseburger dreams, right? Uh, 
You know, we're not talking about those kind of dreams, right? You know, we, we all dream those kind of dreams. My, my, my biggest nightmare, you know, you may have your nightmares, and I think one of the common ones they say in psychology is you, you, you're in a public place and you realize you kind of like forgot to dress, one of those kind of things, you know. Mine is always the dream that I would be standing in front of this big crowd and have nothing to say. And I would just be like, that, that's my nightmare, okay? But those that know me know I always have something to say. So that, that does not happen too often. But, you know, we're talking about really these aspirational dreams, these dreams of becoming, these dreams of, of being more than, dreams that God really can work in us and through us, dreams that, that are bigger than our lives, bigger than something we can accomplish on our own. Because really, in, in the flesh, in our humanness, most of our dreams really tend to be about us, don't they? Well, I want to be rich, or I want to, I want to marry a, a certain type of person, or I want, to, I want to be a superstar, or, you know, when we were young, we were going to be like super athletes, and we kind of like stopped growing, or, you know, those kind of, kind of things. They tend to be about us when God's dreams are more about what his kingdom is about, what he wants to accomplish through us. And when he, when he dreams into us, he's not looking for superstars. He's looking for people that are just willing to say, yes, Lord, God, whatever you can do, Father, do it in my life. I mean, think about this. In, in Ephesians, we read that, that the, our God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. I mean, he is a creative God, isn't he? I mean, look at your neighbor. He's pretty creative, right? He is a creative God. And, and we recognize that power, that awesomeness, but yet we also recognize that we are limited people. We are human. And we have an enemy that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy but Jesus came, what, to give us life and life to the full. Can I tell you that Jesus is greater than anything the enemy can throw at us? Jesus is greater than anything we will ever come against or face when we're trying to pursue him? Listen, there are things that we all have to recognize, and that is that sometimes the dreams God place in us don't happen in the time frame that we want them to happen in, right? Sometimes they are harder to pursue than even what we think they might be. There's a story in the Old Testament we're going to focus on this morning, and it's a story about a, a man and a wife, a, a husband and a wife, two people that are just like you and I, and their names are Abram and Sarah. In fact, if you turn to Genesis, where we're going to look this morning, Genesis chapter 15, uh, the story of Abram is, is really a long story. It takes up several chapters in the book of Genesis, and you can read the full entirety on your own, but, but I want you to see this morning how God helped him overcome these dream killers that you and I face today. So I hope you take some notes and let God speak to you this. Now, here, here's the context. God had called Abram out of his home country. He told him to leave his hometown, and, and God was going to take him to a land, and he was going to make a great nation out of him. Now, now, in typical God fashion, he didn't give him all the details, right? Wouldn't you love it if God gave you all the details of his dreams? <laughs> that would be nice. You know, a, go to B, go to C, and you finally get to D, right? No, God just says go. And we go where? He said, I'll tell you. When? when? When I feel like it. Great. Yeah, I am. Thank you for saying so. Yeah, I mean, you know, he just has kind of one of those relationships with us. And he did that with Abram. He's like, go. Okay. So Abram starts pursuing the dream. And in chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, he kind of hit a wall. Here's what it says. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you 
and your reward will be great. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. So here's the picture. Abram, go. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And Abram says, that's awesome, God, but I don't even have a kid. So if I'm going to be a great nation, how is it going to multiply out of me? Is it going to come through my servant Eliezer? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my own household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Later in Genesis 17, he reconfirmed this. He said, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. God's dreams are always bigger than ours. We, we limit everything to what we can accomplish. We limit everything to what we can do. Some of you that are starting your education, you, you kind of limit things to, you know, well, here, here's what can happen within my occupation. Here, here's what can happen within my family. Can I tell you, God can do more than you can think you can do. God can do more than you can dream of. Abraham's dream was simply this, let me father a son. <laughs> let me just have a kid, God. I mean, thanks for the promise. That would be awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll take a son. But God's dream was beyond that. He wanted him to be a father of not only a son, but a father of a nation. He wanted to reach into something bigger than he was. But right in that, in that promise, it was kind of setting Abraham up for what is, I, I think is a common dream killer to all, every one of us. You see, Abram and Sarah experienced some things that are common to you and I. Remember, they were ordinary people. They're not superstars. We read the Bible sometimes, we think they're like this alien race, there were some kind of these mega amazing beings that God used. No, that's what I like about the Bible because it points out all their faults and all their weirdness and stuff, and you realize, you know what, they're just kind of like us. So they're ordinary people, and they experience some things that I think are ordinary to all of us who are pursuing God's dreams. And the first one this morning I want you to see is this. One of the big dream killers you have to get past is unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. It just hasn't happened yet. And so I don't think it's going to happen, right? We, we kind of get caught in that, that time mentality. Check it out in Genesis 16, verse 1. Sarah, who was Abram's wife, she had not been able to bear children for him. Now listen, she was very aware of the dream. Can you imagine the pressure, ladies? <laughs> God comes to your husband and says, through you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're going to have kids. like they're, they're like the stars in the sky. And she's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not happening. She, she should not bear children. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Now, all of us have predetermined ideas of how life ought to go, don't we? Hey, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get married. It's going to be awesome. We have 3.2 kids and a dog. You know, we're going to live in a house on the lake. We're going to drive nice cars. And you know what? One day we're going to retire at 50. How many ever thought that was the dream, right? Yeah. I'm going to be working at Walmart when I'm 80. Hi, welcome to Walmart, you know. Hey, it's just part of the life we live in now. You'll come and say hi. You'll remember me, right? So, you know... What, what, what happens is this, when it doesn't go the way we think it should, we start writing our own script. We, we, get, we get off of God's script and we start writing our own script and the danger is we start taking matters in our own hand. Here's Sarah. I mean, God bless Sarah. She loves Abram, right? Abram says, we gotta have babies. He's like, she's like, not happening. So she comes up with this great idea. So Sarah, verse two, said to Abram, you know what? The Lord has prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant. Can I just say right now, never a good idea, all right? Just 
sorry, never, you know, hey, I can't, so hey, there's my servant, go, yeah, have fun. Perhaps I can have children through her. Abraham says, okay. He agreed with her proposal. Did I say never a good idea? Because you know what was produced through this? Ishmael. Ishmael was a counterfeit promise. Ishmael was not the intention of God to raise up a great nation. In fact, Abram, in his inability to stay with the script from God and, and follow Sarah's lead, is this. He, he, he produced a young man that led to great difficulties in their family, that led to great difficulties in the nation. If you follow history, we are still in great difficulties because of this one decision by a man that chose not to follow God. So the story goes on. Thirteen years later, God comes back to them and says, uh, hey, remember that covenant, that dream I have for you? I haven't given up on that. Remember, remember that dream of a great nation? I haven't given up on that at all. So he, he's beginning to speak it into their lives again. So here they had come through these unfulfilled expectations. They took it in their own hands. They made a mess of things. And now, all of a sudden, God comes back and they hit another wall that all of us face, and that's unrelenting doubt. Because sometimes the promises of God seem too great for ourselves. Verse 17 of chapter 17 says, Then Abraham bowed down to the ground. This is when God came back and said, Remember, you're going to have a kid? And he laughed himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? Can you imagine? I mean, Abraham's like, Really? Have you seen my wife? I mean, really? 100 years old? God, that, that doesn't happen. And he had that doubt begin to creep into them. Can I tell you, the enemy of our soul, Satan, loves for us to buy his lies. He loves for us to buy the lie that it can't happen through you. You're not good enough. You, you failed in the past, or, or you're just not able. You don't have enough faith, or, or maybe you're inadequate, or maybe what God's calling to do is really impossible, so you shouldn't even pursue it. And he loves for us to buy into those, those lies where we, we give up and we say, you know what, God, just forget it. It's not going to happen anyway. And so we begin to just live in that doubt. But can I tell you, church, the, the doubt we live in is the opposite of the faith God wants us to have. In James, James 1.6, he says, the one that doubts is like a wave of the sea blown around by the wind because they, they can't seem to find any bearing because their faith is lacking. Here's the danger. When the lies of the enemy become truth to us, we start following the lies instead of the promises of God. And what happens is we get in trouble. We mess up the plan that God has for us. So you see, we got to get past those unrealistic expectations. We've got to move beyond the doubts. Those are, those are real dream killers. And then the third one is just as strong, and it's common to all of us. And that is we sometimes face those unchangeable circumstances in life. I mean, Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah is 90. In Genesis 18, verse 11, it says, Abraham and Sarah were both, both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. I mean, she was way past the age of childbearing. I mean, if, if this was happening today, this story was happening today, there would be a reality TV show about Abraham and Sarah, right? The couple that had a child when he was 100 and she was 90. How's that going to work out, right? You know, but here's what was happening the natural circumstances around them looked impossible. I'm too old. We, we face all that. Well, God, I don't have enough money to fulfill that dream. God, I don't have the skills. My marriage is over. How, how, how is it going to be a blessing to anybody else? I'm not skilled enough. 
But see, the danger is it's too easy to give up when we look at only our own abilities. It's too easy to give up when we think that we have to fulfill it somehow in our own strength. I mean, Abraham had every reason in the world to stop believing. He had every reason to give it up. You see, church, when God puts a dream in your heart, it's not done until God says it's done. When God puts a dream in your heart, it's not over until God says it's over. Why? Because he's the author and giver of life. You see, my hope today is this. I want us to bust through these dream killers because they are common to every one of us. They are common to whether you are 18 and starting out in college or you're 70 and you're still wondering if it's ever going to happen. God gives us in his word some things to help us to dream again. My goal today is is to inject you all with hope, with some practical tools to help us to dream again and see that God has not given up on what he has placed in our hearts. You see, I was called in the ministry uh, back in the 80s. Remember the 80s? Best music in the world ever. Fashion, not so sure about, but, you know, those are good days. But when God called me, it was, it was interesting. There was something about those days that wasn't good because those were the days of excess, right? I mean, those were the days where everything had to be bigger and better, and, and we, just, you know, we were just caught up in this excess, and sadly in the church, we were caught up in excess and in scandal at the same time. And when God called me to the ministry, I was like, thanks, God. I might as well be a used car salesman with it on the back lot, you know? Because when I grew up, ministers had respect, but at that time, they were kind of like, they were sleazeballs, Right? And one of the callings God gave to me was that, that I, would, I would grow and, and lead in ministry in a way that would be transparent, and we'd reestablish the integrity of the church. And, and one of the callings God has given me is I work a lot with ministers. Y'all know that, with church planters and other ministers. Because I believe the bride of Christ, the church, though it's been touched by scandal, it's been messed up by men in a lot of ways, she is still beautiful in the eyes of God, and he's reestablishing her even this day. And I believe she can be better than what the world has given up on, Right? So, so God put that dream in my heart, and, and we have to keep dreaming that because I believe work is not done. So here's some things that I want you to see about how to keep pursuing that dream, even if it's not done yet. And, and I'm going to couch them in some, a statement that begins with even if, okay? So, so write these down. How do you keep pursuing the dream God has put in you? The first thing is you've got to keep moving forward even if it takes a long time. You've got to trust God's process. We are instant people, aren't we? I'm sick, I pray, God, why haven't you healed me, right? God, I need help, I pray, why isn't there? We, we are instant people. I mean, you know, we, we, can't, we can't live if, if something's not just happening right now. We are, we are a text generation, right? What do you mean you didn't respond to me? I responded to you. And you're like, well, give me a second to breathe, okay? Because we just expect that, that continuous flow. But in church, we've got to learn to trust God's process, even when the dream seems to be taking longer than we thought. Remember, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. It took 25 years from the day God made a promise to Abraham about a nation before he actually had his first child. Now, how many of us honestly would wait 25 years? Let's be, let's be honest. How many of us would wait 25 years? You mean, God, you want me to just sit around for 25 years waiting for this to happen? God, I'll, I'll go do something else. No, God, God's process works in us when we learn to trust his process, even when it's taking longer than we thought. Some of us are just around the corner for our dream being fulfilled. But the danger is we want to give up because it's taken longer than we thought. You see, his process is working and it's valuable because it's shaping us. God, here, this is going to help some of you this morning. God is more concerned about you and your development than he is about reaching a dream he's placed in you. 
What good is it if we, if we accomplish the greatest goals in the world and yet we lose our own soul, the Scripture says, right? See, we've got to get that process mentality. We've got to understand God is working things out. Proverbs 16, 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So even if it's taking a long time, guys, we've got to grab hold of that promise and grab hold of God's process and say, God, I'm not going to let go, God, until I see you fulfill it in me. The second way we break through the, the dream barriers or the dream killers is we've got to keep going even if it sounds ridiculous. Now, now I know that God has never dreamed a ridiculous dream into your life, right? He has in mind. I mean, it's ridiculous. When God calls a CPA out of downtown Charlotte, uptown, forgive me, downtown Charlotte, uh, and says, go preach the gospel. I'm like, God, I'm happy being a nerd, okay? It's all right. I like ledgers, and I like, you know, those kind of things, and you want me to work with people. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. You know, sometimes God's calling can see, seem ridiculous to us, but when it is, we've got to trust God's purpose in his calling. Not only his process, but his purpose, because God's the one that created us, and he knows what can happen in us. Here's Abraham. He's had a son. Here's, he's had Isaac, the, the young man of promise. And in Genesis 22, God asks him to do something incredibly ridiculous when we read it. He says to him in Genesis 22, too, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, not Ishmael, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And every parent in the room says, I'm checking out God right now. If that's what you want, not happening, right? He's my only, you finally gave him to me, and now you want me to do this? It's ridiculous. You see, the dream had finally been fulfilled in, in Abraham's mind, and now God was going to take it away from him. But look, we, we recognize, because we get to read the rest of the story, that God was testing him. He, he wasn't looking to, to kill Isaac. He was looking to break something in Abraham that said this, I will trust you, God, even when I don't understand your ways. God, I will trust you even when it seems ridiculous, God. God, I will trust you, Lord, when I can't make sense of it, Father, because all I can do, God, is say yes to you. You see, God was testing Abraham. He had to be willing to lay down his dream of a son in order to pick up God's dream of a nation. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, it says this, My thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, God didn't take Isaac, all right? For those that are not familiar with the story, God provided a sacrifice. He provided a ram. He, he took care of that. He didn't require the son. He just required the act of obedience. Church, sometimes we are one act of obedience away from seeing God's dream fulfilled in our lives. And can I tell you that when you get close to that fulfillment, that act of obedience is harder than the ones in the early days? We may think it's easier, right? It's harder. I mean, some of you now, we're, we're going to dedicate some babies in a few weeks. You're like, oh, yes, Lord, I want to raise them to know you. Whatever it takes, God, we'll do. Man, we're just going to raise this godly kid, and they become teenagers. <laughs> and then you're like, God, please don't kill them, because I want to kill them. You know, and we, and we miss, we miss, like, how does that happen? It gets harder sometimes. But when you press through and you obey, guys, that's when life begins to really happen. And that's that third way of breaking through this. And we're going to wrap this up. And that is to, to really break through the dream killers, you got to keep going after it even if you don't think you can. you got to keep going after it even if you don't think you can. you got to trust that promise of God. 
You got to trust that what he said to you was real. And, and, he, and he expects you to walk toward that even when it gets ridiculous, right? You see, there, here's the deal. We, we get that promise and, and we get to that point where we've been pursuing and it's not happening. And we, we start talking words like burnout, right? Oh, God, I'm just so tired of pursuing this, God. Or, or, or trust. God, I, I thought I heard from you, God, but I'm really not certain anymore. I don't know if I can trust this or not. You know, and finally we come to that point where we just say, God, you know what? Go find somebody else. If you want this accomplished, go find somebody else because you know what? I must have misunderstood and I'm, I'm not able to do that. You know what? That's a great place to be because when you finally recognize that you can't do it, then you realize that it's only through God you can do anything, right? You see, when you get past that point where it's all on you, I'm telling you, the stress goes away. Listen, it's not about your strength. It's about you accessing his strength to fulfill God's promises in your life. It's not about your giftings and natural talents and ability to do things. It's about trusting God to do life his way. You see, here's what happened in Genesis 22. So God, did, he says, go and sacrifice Isaac. Then he provided the ram. He, he showed Abram that he was a faithful God. And now we pick it up in verse 15. He says this, the angel of the Lord called to Abram from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. Check it out. That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have what? Obeyed me. Do you see that progression? He, he lays out this incredible track for you and I, and it flows this way. It says, because you have... I will. Because you have trusted me, I will bless you. Because you have obeyed me, I will, trust, I will bless you. Because you have pushed through and decided to hang on to that promise, I will take action on your behalf. You see, it's at that moment that God can breathe life back into our dreams when we finally give them back to God and say, God, only you can make this happen. Because after all, he's the one that's omnipotent. We are not. He's the one that is able. We are not. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are what? Possible. Isn't that awesome? With God, all things are possible. You see, I'm talking to some people this morning that there were dreams God put in your life. Dreams that were going to lead toward ministry and helping other people. Dreams that were going to be part of that redemptive plan. But something along the way has derailed those. And I want to tell you something this morning. God has not given up on the dreams in your life. You can say, well, pastor, we, we feel like we've been disqualified. You know, we, we've gone through tragedy or, or, or divorce or discouragement or we've been hurt by the church or what all, all these things. And I tell you, church, God can take a mess like Abraham and Sarah, think about this, who goes, it's a good idea for you to sleep with my servant so that we can have a baby, you know. That's not real wise. You think your life's messed up? Yeah, go on that reality TV show, right? You know, he can take a mess. and He can fulfill an amazing dream when we believe that he is greater than what we've been through or what we will ever be through together. You see, God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things through him.